Hi everyone, my name is Mark Connor and it's great to be able to share with you today. I was meant to be there in person for your Sunday church services and to spend some time with your leaders, but unfortunately that wasn't able to happen. So who knows, maybe next year. But here we are with a video message, our best next thing. Uh, what a crazy time it's been with this COVID lockdown and a huge impact on our world, but also all of our lives. And so a big shout out to you as a congregation, as well as to Pastor Tim and Anthony and the team there for your faith and your courage and your resilience during this time. You know, us Aussies have a, a little phrase that we use a lot when we greet each other. We'll often say, no worries, <laughs> no worries. Uh, the truth is there is a lot of things to worry about. And often we do get caught up in a prison of worry. I mean, we can worry about this pandemic. How long is it going to be here? When are we going to be fully free? Will life get back to normal again? Uh, what about the impact on the economy as well as our, our own jobs and vocations? Our finances have all taken a hit. We can worry about our health, uh, our family. We can worry about our relationships. There are so many things to worry. I don't know about you, but I found that the more you worry, the worse you feel. And the worse you feel, the more you worry. And it's like this downward spiral and you kind of end up in this prison of worry, as it were. You know, one of the things I love about Jesus is he understood the human condition. And in one of his most well-known sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he talks about worry. And so we're going to pick this up and listen to some advice from Jesus today on the area of worry. Matthew 6 verses 25, I'm reading through to verse 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Uh, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, and they do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those who don't know God, run after these things. Uh, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so Jesus understood our tendency to get caught up in worry. And so he spends a fair bit of time in this uh, articulation of his sermon here saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. He basically says, no worries. Uh, stop worrying. Uh, how do we do that? Well, he doesn't give us a, a four-step outline, but he leaves us to figure it out. He does give us some advice. And so I want to share you with you a few thoughts about how to stop worrying. Just using the word stop as an acronym, S-T-O-P. The letter S stands for specify your worries. Specify your worries. Ask yourself today, what are you worried about? You know, Jesus was very specific when he addressed worry. He said, some of you are worried about food, where your next meal is coming from. Some of you are worried about clothing, whether you'll be warm enough. You know, the winters in Palestine were very cold and some are worried would they have enough clothing. Others said you're worried about tomorrow. 
Uh, they lived under the cruel oppression of the Roman Empire, and there was a lot of fear about the future, fear for their life. And so Jesus specifically addresses some of their worries. And so for us to be free from worry, uh, just begin by specifying your worries. What are you worried about? You know, sometimes worries like this vague cloud over our head that just kind of comes in and gives us this melancholy, down, depressed feeling. Uh, if we can just get that list out of our head and be specific, then we start to break free from worry. And so maybe today you want to take a piece of paper, take two if you need them, and just write down, what are you worried about? Just put everything out of your head onto a piece of paper so you can have a look at it. I read a research report quite a few years ago about the kinds of things that people worry about. And here are the results. 40% of things we worry about will never happen. 40%. 30% are in the past. They've already happened and we can't do anything to change them. 12% of our worries are about our health. As you know, worry actually makes our health worse. 10% of our worries are minor. They're just so petty, so insignificant. Only 8% of our worries are about something substantial or legitimate. And 4%, half of that, uh, those, uh, that 4% is beyond our control. And so research tells us that 96% of what we worry about is not worth worrying about. <laughs> no worry. No wonder Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, a lot of the things on our list really aren't worth our time and energy. And so we don't want to worry about what's unimportant, what's unlikely, what's trivial, you know, making a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, have you ever been shopping and got a trolley with one wheel that didn't work? How annoying is that? Uh, I mean, you know, it's squeaking and squealing and you're annoyed and you're sweating and everything's difficult because that one wheel isn't working very well. You know, worry is like that on the inside of it, on the inside of us. It just slows us down. It makes everything annoying. And so we need the oil of the Holy Spirit, as it were, just to free ourselves from that worry. And so we begin letter S by specifying our worries. Letter T is to take action on our worries. Take action on our worries. And so you, as you look at your list of worries, uh, ask yourself, can I do anything about this? Can I do anything about it? And you know, if we turn our worries into an action. If we turn our problem into a solution, then we, we crowd out our worries by working on them. In fact, I found that worry can be useful if it gets our attention and motivates us to action. Uh, funny illustration, maybe you're driving somewhere today and the red fuel light comes on on your dashboard of the car, indicating that uh, you're on empty. You know, don't, don't get the hammer out and smash it and go, I rebuke you, you negative thing. <laughs> no, no, the red light is your friend. Uh, don't, don't worry about running out of petrol. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have to walk. I'm going to be late. No, turn your worry into an action. Turn into the next petrol station, stop, open up the cap. Fill up your tank with petrol and your worry will disappear. Uh, simple illustration, but imagine if we did that with every worry we had, we turned it into an action. Maybe you're a small group leader and you haven't seen Mary for a while. You can start to worry. Maybe Mary doesn't like me anymore. Maybe Mary's left the church. Maybe Mary's not interested in Jesus. You know, we have this creative imagination to think about all the things that could be happening. 
No, turn that worry into an action. Get on the phone. Hey, Mary, haven't heard from you a while. Oh, oh, you've been unwell. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Often it's not about us at all. It's something else. But if we'll just turn our worry into an action, many of our worries begin to disappear. A lot of worries are a decision waiting to happen. And so specify your worries. Letter O, letter T, take action on your worries. Letter O is to offer up a prayer to God. I reckon Paul heard this sermon of Jesus, maybe through word of mouth over the years. And in Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, he says this, do not be anxious. In other words, do not worry about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love what the Message Bible says. It translates it this way, Eugene Peterson's version. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I love that little phrase, shape your worries into prayers. If we could take our worries and specify them, know what they are, take action on those that we can do something about, but let it offer a prayer. If we could shape those worries into a prayer. Uh, back in 2007, our kids had a, a really serious car accident on New Year's Day. I got a phone call 5 a.m. in the morning from an unknown person saying, is your son's name Josiah? I said, yes, why? I said, you need to come down. There's been an accident. Our kids had been out at a New Year's Eve party and uh, hadn't been drinking, but they decided early in the morning to go down and, and see the sunrise uh, at the beach. And so my son was driving. Uh, his brother was in the front seat, sister in the back, two other girls, and sadly he fell asleep at the wheel. And uh, they jackknifed with another car at an intersection. And when we got down there, it was like a bomb scene. Oh my goodness, uh, so traumatic. We're just thankful that they all lived but uh, they had serious injuries. My son had teeth smashed in. His brother's feet went through the window. He had 27 stitches and a, a broken lower vertebrae. He was in a brace for six months. Anyway, it was just, it, it was horrible. And that New Year's Day, uh, we went to sleep very late and all our kids were in the emergency ward of a hospital. It was one of those horrible days where you just wonder what is going on. Uh, you know, I found that traumatic event was something that, triggered worry in me. Uh, even months and, and, and years later, sometimes we'd have a family event and my kids would be late and I'd start to worry. Uh, are, are they okay? Have they had another accident? You know, we'd be up in Echuca with some friends. Uh, they had a houseboat up there and kids would be water skiing and we'd be sitting down having a drink and uh, I'd be looking to the right, waiting for that boat to come around the corner. And if it hadn't come yet, I'd start to worry. And, and I remember reading this about shaping your worries into prayers. And I started doing that, just started uh, sometimes silently, a, a breath prayer. And I'd be worried about my kids. I'd just go, God, thank you for our children. You know where they are. You love them more than we do. Would you watch over them? Would you protect them? Would you keep them safe today? You know, it's interesting if you start to do this, you will pray a lot more and you'll worry a lot less. Because every time you start to worry about maybe losing your job, just go, God, you're my provider. 
Thank you for looking after me and my family. I trust you today. You start turning your worries into prayers. It becomes a powerful tool to see worry just disappear from your life. That doesn't stop you from worrying, but it helps you to take control of those worrying thoughts and use them as a catalyst to talk to God and to bring those worries and fears to him. Letter P in our little acronym. S is specify your worries. T is take action on your worries. O is offer up a prayer to God. Letter P is to place your trust in God. I guarantee on that list of worries that you've written out, there'll be some things there that you can't do anything about. They're beyond your control. You can pray about them, but you can't take action on them. And so here's where we place our trust in God. Love Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. Don't rely on your own understanding, your own ability to figure things out. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And so when you can't do something about those worries, trust in God. Trust in God. You know, even Jesus said, look at the birds. You know, they're not worrying. They're not planning for tomorrow. Uh, they don't have a 10-year strategic plan. They're, they're trusting that there's a father in heaven who's watching over them. And so this teaches us to accept uncertainty. You know, this is a time of uncertainty. And if you're trying to eliminate the uncertainty, you're going to be very, very stressed. Uncertainty is the atmosphere, the environment that we're in right now. A lot of things are beyond our control. And so, you know, we can kind of end up just giving in to fate or luck or chance. No, no, life is not about those things. Although there is uncertainty, although things are beyond our control, we can trust that God is at work. Now, this is called the sovereignty of God. You know, Paul picks this up later on in Romans 8, 28. Uh, it says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, now Paul understood worry. In fact, if you're, if you're ever having a bad day, uh, look at your list of worries and get another piece of paper and write down everything Paul went through. I mean, he was shipwrecked, you know, he was um, beaten, he was put in prison, he was stoned with real stones, he was forsaken by his team members, you know. And if you look at his list and your list, you, you, you know, without underestimating what you're going through, you'll probably be feeling better already. So, you know, Paul didn't have an easy life, but he says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Notice it doesn't say God causes all things. God doesn't cause everything. There are other forces at work in the world. We make decisions. Other people make decisions. It doesn't say God causes all things. It doesn't say all things are good. A car accident isn't good. A pandemic isn't good. A sickness isn't good. A divorce, a marriage breakdown. It doesn't say all things are good. There's a lot of things in life that aren't good. It also doesn't say all things have a happy ending. It doesn't. <laughs> not every kid scores A on a test. Not every business makes a million dollars. You know, not every marriage necessarily lasts forever. It doesn't say all things have a happy ending, but it does say that God causes all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, the, the, the bitter, the sweet. He causes all things to work together for an ultimate purpose. Reminds me of the story of Joseph. You know, he had a, a bunch of great dreams as a young man for his life. And uh, yet his jealous brothers uh, sold him. He ended up in prison in Egypt and he spent 13 long years in a prison, you know, promoted and then through jealousy, demoted. And 
eventually uh, you know, he interpreted the dreams of the Pharaoh and he was promoted to number two in Egypt. And uh, he was involved in preserving not only Egypt, but, but many nations through his interpretation of the dream. And you know the story, one day his brothers that betrayed him, that sold him, <laughs> uh, came in front of him. Uh, what an emotional encounter uh, as uh, Joseph looked on those who had been abusive in his life. And he said this amazing statement, he, uh, sorry, Hebrews, Genesis 50 verse 20, he says, You meant it for evil. But God used it for good. Notice he didn't say, oh, it didn't matter. It wasn't a big deal. You meant it for evil. It was wrong. It was painful. It was hurtful. You meant it for evil, but God used it for good. That's, that's an amazing uh, attribute of God, his ability to take even the painful and the hurtful and the, and the difficult parts of our life and use them for a higher purpose. You know, um, I love to do a bit of cooking. Uh, my wife's an amazing cook and she doesn't use cookbooks or recipes. She just throws things together and it comes out amazing. And <laughs> She can never repeat it, but it's always good. Uh, I follow the cookbook. I measure everything out carefully. And then after I've done it a few times, I might tweak it a little bit. And one of my favorite recipes is a Thai curry. Uh, our family loves it and uh, I've kind of mastered it now. But, you know, I was cooking up the Thai, the Thai curry one day and uh, I, I was just thinking about some of the ingredients. You know, there's certain ingredients in that delicious recipe that by themselves are very unpleasant. You know, would you ever just have a spoonful of curry paste or curry powder? <laughs> You're probably not going to do that. It's a little intense. Would you ever have a glass of fish sauce? Yeah, I, I don't think so. You know, there's certain ingredients that by themselves are actually distasteful. But it's amazing when you mix everything together. Uh, this beautiful aroma, this beautiful flavor comes out. And I think our life is a little bit like that. You know, if I said to you today, if you had some painful experiences in your life, every one of us would have some stories to tell. Life is not always easy, but God has the ability to make something beautiful out of our life. Sometimes our pain has a purpose. <laughs> Sometimes our mess becomes part of our message. Uh, I, I love this uh, musical example I once heard when I was uh, studying in Bible college and uh, my lecturer, Graham Cole, talked about different views or ways of seeing the world. Some people see the, the world like a classical orchestra. If you're a musician, you understand. And if you're a, a musician in a classical orchestra, everything's been predetermined, pre-planned, pre pre-written. So you have the music in front of you and you might be playing the violin or the cello or, or whatever instrument you're playing. And, and so there's no freedom. There's no choice. You're playing something that someone else has written for you. And some people see the world like this. They see it as a classical orchestra. God has already predetermined everything. You have no choice. You, know, you have no free will. We're just living out what's already been predestined for us. You ever hear someone say, well, it happened. It must have been God's will. <laughs> uh, this is called determinism, this belief that everything has already been chosen for us. That's, that's one way to view the world. Some people go to the other extreme and they see the world not as a classical orchestra, but as a jam session. <laughs> now, if you're a musician, you know what a jam session is. A jam session is where there's no music, there's no plan, just make a joyful noise. And so the drummer's going for it, the sax player's going for it, the piano's go, keyboard player's going for it. It's just a cacophony of sound and noise. There's no order, there's no plan. Some people see the world like that. There's no plan. There's no order. Uh, it's just if it feels good, do it. It's called existentialism. That's another view of the world. There's a third musical genre called jazz. Anyone out there like jazz? 
jazz is a very interesting musical style because there is a plan. There's a chord sequence. There's a rhythm that uh, undergirds everything. But on top of that chord sequence, there's something called improvisation. I play something, someone else responds and they play something. And there's this uh, freedom and there's this spontaneity and sometimes there's discord and sometimes there's dissonance and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you're not quite sure where it's going, but, but the music is moving, it's going somewhere. I think the world is much more like a jazz band than a classical orchestra or a jam session because we have freedom, we have choice. There are moments of discord and dissonance and where the music is not pleasant, but underneath it all, there's this rhythm, there's this chord sequence. This is called providence. Providence is the belief that underneath all of our free will, our choice, the good and the bad things that happen in life, the story is moving forward. That's, that's what Joseph was saying. You meant it for evil. This was a bad moment in time. But God, in the overall, in the bigger picture, meant it for good. And so I would encourage you today that there'll be some things on your list, as I said, that you have no control over. And so I encourage you to pray, offer up a prayer to God, but to place your trust in God. I can trust a God uh, who is a God of providence. And even when I don't really know why, you know, Job went through some horrible experiences in his life. He never really found out why, but he learned to put his trust in a God who's much bigger than us, who sees things from a different perspective. And one day, hopefully, we'll get some answers to the why, but right now we trust in him. And so here in Aussies, here in Australia, us Aussies, uh, no worries, mate, no worries, no worries. Well, Jesus says, don't worry. How do we stop worrying? Well, specify your worries. What are you worried about today? Take action on your worries. Can you do something about that particular worry? Oh, offer up a prayer to God and P, place your trust in God. You know, as I, as I wrap this up today, there are two things we should not worry about. Number one, don't worry about things you can do something about. And number two, don't worry about things you can't do something about. <laughs> In other words, don't worry at all. The things you can do something about, just take action on those worries. Some of your worries just need to make a phone call today. You need to make a decision today. You need to do something about it. There's a lot of worries on our list that are just waiting for us to take action. So don't worry about them. Do something about them. And then those other things that are beyond our control. Well, don't worry about them either. either. Offer up a prayer to God and place your trust in God. Why break free from worry? Well, first of all, worry doesn't help us. It really is a waste of time and energy unless it's leading us to action. Secondly, worry takes our joy away. Have you noticed that? When you're worrying, there's no joy. In fact, try to worry and be joyful at the same time. You know, do it with me now. Come on. <laughs> you know, when you're worrying, there's no joy. When you're joyful, there's no worry. And so one of the reasons God wants us to be free from worry is so that we can know his joy, which is our strength. And then finally, worry gets us focused on our own needs, preoccupied with our own concerns and our own problems. You know, Jesus did give us some advice after saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. He says, Matthew 6, but instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, get busy advancing God's work in the world. 
reach out to others, serve others, help others, share, make a difference, be a blessing. When we get busy helping other people, it's amazing how our worries disappear. Imagine an entire church there, you as a group, as a community. Imagine an entire church free from worry, going out from our homes, going out into our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, as we're able to, being a blessing. That is God's kingdom at work in the world. Let me pray for you today. God, thank you for our time together. I pray for those struggling with worry today. Lord, would you help them to have the courage to take action on those things they can do something about. And Lord, for those things beyond our control that we will offer a prayer to you, shape those worries into prayers and trust you that you are at work in our life. For some here today that may not know you personally, I pray even right now as they're listening to this message, would you make yourself real to them, reveal yourself to them as the God who loves and cares for them. And I pray for all of us that we would be free from worry, able to go out and be a blessing to those we encounter each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've got someone in the room there with you, turn to them and say, no worries, <laughs> no worries. Hey, if you've enjoyed today's message, uh, I actually wrote a book called Prison Break, and this is uh, some of the material from one of the chapters, Freedom from Worry. But I've got a chapter on freedom from fear, freedom from anger, freedom from depression, chapters on freedom from rejection, freedom from addictions, freedom from spiritual bondages. And so uh, if you're looking for some lockdown reading, Prison Break, Finding Personal Freedom, uh, there's a website there, markconnor.com.au forward slash books. If you go there, you'll find some links where you can get a, a paperback copy or an ebook version or a PDF to download to your computer. So hope that's helpful uh, for you. Funny story. I, <laughs> I had a, a friend who bought this book for someone who was in prison and they sent them uh, this book for them to read and the book got confiscated. <laughs> I think maybe they thought that there were uh, maps or tunnels for getting out of the prison. No, prison break, finding personal freedom. I hope that book is a blessing to you. Well, it's been great to share with you today. I pray a huge blessing on you and the church there. Hope to catch up in person next year. Until then, God bless. Stay safe. Thank you very much.